0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Scarlet Nation podcast. I'm Bobby Darren here for 24/7 Sports and Rutgers Scarlet Nation. It is time for football this week. We talk about it all year long. We talk about it 24/7 days a week, but it's finally game week. Uh, Rutgers will play Northwestern on Sunday with a noon time kickoff. The only game on in that time slot, uh, a national television audience will be watching. Uh, there's a lot to talk about uh, heading up to, to, to game time and to help me sort things out. I got my man, our staff writer, Chris Sakona here with us and Chris, um, you know, a, an exciting time. Cause it's the start of a new season. Everybody's even, there is no first place. There is no last place. And, uh, you know, Rutgers is going to play a Northwestern team that, that, uh, has been mired in, in scandal to say the least. And, you know, I'm going to jump right into it. I know you spoke with one of the Northwestern writers out there at the school and, uh, you know, what's kind of the mood of this team this week, Chris?
1: Yeah, I talked to uh, Bradley Locker, who's currently one of many student journalists at uh, Northwestern. Um, uh, he's the co-editor-in-chief for Inside NU, which is one of the sites that covers uh, Northwestern athletics. Um, and, you know, in terms of the off-field stuff, um, you know, and, and I got into it a bit more in a piece uh, that came out on Scarlet Nation earlier today. Um, you know, he talked about how, you know, the team feels like there's a mood of resilience. Um you know, they they look at it as viewing, you know, themselves as going through adversity. Uh, and, you know, there were some coaches wearing shirts saying um, Cats Against the World had Pat Fitzgerald's number on it. So it's very much, you know, a team that is still hasn't fully moved on from that. Um, and, and then that's sort of the mood in terms of the off-field stuff. But in terms of the on-field stuff, they are still very much focused on, you know, the task that's at hand for them, which is you know this game against Rutgers that they've got coming up. So. Um, it's mm-hmm. certainly an d- unprecedented situation, um, and it's going to be someone to watch us to see h- to what extent does that affect how this game ultimately plays out, if at all. And, you know, I want to mention, too, that their
0: journalism there at Northwestern is, is very, uh, you know, it's a very good one. Um, you know, the work they do helped um, you know, unravel some of the stuff in that scandal, the hazing scandal. So, um, thanks for them and thanks for their contribution. You know, it's not just, you know, a, a kid with a
1: pen out there, right, Chris? Right. No, no, no. These, this is, you know, among the top journalism schools in the country. Um, and, you know, they really showed themselves, uh, throughout that whole, uh, ordeal and everything that they really uncovered because all we knew before was that you know there was some sort of stuff coach didn't know about suspended for two weeks and we sort of thought all right that'll be the end of it two weeks suspension in the middle of the summer no one's going to remember that by week one but as it turns out you know the right people asked the right questions they dug a lot deeper and they found out there was a lot more than met the eye um, and now you're really looking at a completely different program in the wake of that
0: and, you know, I know people are going to come out and say, you know, oh, it's us against the world and, and nothing, uh, you know, changes. But I mean, you have a whole, you know, it's a different coaching regime. Things are different. Uh, you have a new quarterback. I mean, you have to think there's a feeling out process. And and Chris, this is a team that only won one game last year. We're not talking about a team that's returning a lot of marquee players and, and you know, shooting for a Big Ten West title. I mean, this is a team just looking for a win.
1: Yeah. I mean, they only won one game and uh, it wasn't in the United States. I might add they beat uh, Nebraska in uh, Dublin uh, to start last season. And then they lost their last Mm -hmm. 11 games. Um, uh, In fact, Northwestern since the last time they beat Rutgers in 2021 at Ryan field, the last time these two teams met um, they've really struggled to win much of anything really. And it's been even before this scandal unraveled, it had been a really a downward turn in the play of the program. And, and, you know, in the sense that both of these teams are trying to sort of work their way up and improve in the win-loss column. I do think, obviously, the off-field situation doesn't even compare, but in terms of the on-field, I do think there are some similarities here. Yeah, and this, this you know, I wrote it earlier
0: in the week, this is a must-win game for, for Rutgers, in my opinion, because, you know, every win, is you need every win you can get playing that Big Ten East, Chris, and hey, you lose this game, you lose it to a team that has quickly turned into one of the more um, unlike teams in college football, if if I can use that term. And, you know, it's a team that you look on paper with all that going on. Rutgers should win this game. And if you lose it, not only do you lose, you lose in front of a national audience. And let's not forget Rutgers football doesn't have the best reputation uh, from a national perspective, you know, because uh, you saw that with with the different articles that came out through this expansion. Uh, so, you know, this is a chance to show them, you know, show the country, look, you know, this isn't a pushover program. And and, and I think if anybody has a chip on their shoulders, it should be this Rutgers team because uh, this is a team that has been one in 13 at home against big 10 teams since Greg Schiano took over uh, right here in front of the national audience with this program, Northwestern, the way it is, Chris, I, I got to believe this is a must win game.
1: I mean, it's hard to disagree with that. I mean, if you look at just, you know, taking, you know, the off field stuff out of the equation for a second, look at the back half of the schedule. It is not easy, to say the least. Um, Mm -hmm. And Rutgers is going to have to get the bulk of those wins. If they are going to get to six wins, the bulk of it is going to have to come in the month of September. Um, And they do have a bit of a favorable setup in that, you know, they're playing, you know, all three of their non conference games, Virginia Tech, Temple, and Wagner, all at home and you have your your uh, Big 10 opener to start the season at home you really you only have one road game in your first 5 weeks of the season and they're against you know you know the easier teams on the schedule um Wagner obviously is in a different category altogether but Virginia Tech has struggled in the ACC and Northwestern mm-hmm. you know struggling in the Big 10 um so you also have to look at just beyond the context of this game alone that's a valuable stretch to get that many games at home against teams that you know are really More than winnable, they're a team that you could argue Rutgers should beat. Um, I I do think that in that case, you know, that's a critical stretch for this, and it starts with this game. If you win this game, you've got, you know, good vibes. You've got, you know, a blueprint for, you know, what works in a game-like situation. You can do all the camp and scrimmages and everything in the world. At the end of the day, nothing compares to a real game. And you get that confidence that builds week to week. But on the flip side of that, if you lose, it's a Sunday afternoon – on national television, um, mm-hmm. standalone game, we've talked about it before, um, it's not going to be a good situation to be in if you're Rutgers and you're going to be digging out um, from the beginning. So Rutgers very much does not want to find itself in that situation. That's why winning this game, I think, is really important.
0: Really important. I I'm calling it a must win and and to get that win, they're gonna rely on Gavin Wimsett, a quarterback. And as you saw last year, Chris, he he played in the final five games as a starter. Even when he wasn't effective, the, the staff stuck with him. Greg Ciano, that's his guy. And heading into the season, you know, that's his guy. He was asked about it today. You were at the press conference and or um, you know, when we're recording this, he asked about it on Tuesday at the at the press conference and and you know he he kind of brushed away the the hypothetical insinuation with the question saying you know he doesn't will he have a short leash you know he, 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 i don't think he will have a short leash i mean just, Wimsett's the guy i mean he's won the position he he was declared the starter early on if this team is going to go anywhere this season you hate to put it on one guy's shoulders but Wimsett's going to have to be pretty darn good to move this offense down the field chris
1: yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to agree with that because look at the other parts of, you know, the defense, I think, is it has a potential to play at a really high level this year. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you've got a lot of good returning veteran players with experience, same defensive coordinator. Um, you know, if everyone stays healthy, you know, the potential is there for that group to have a really good year. But it can only go as far as the offense will let them in the sense that they need an offense that can score points. Um, and they need an offense that can stay on the field. So the defense isn't out there two thirds, 70%, however much uh, time of the field it was. I don't have the specific numbers in front of me from last year, but there were times when the defense was on the field for most of the game. That can't happen, especially not in right. big 10 play because it doesn't matter how good your defenders are. If they're out there again and again and again, eventually they get worn down. And even if you're keeping a game close, it's going to get away from you at some point. Um, so, right. it, it, And a lot of that does come back to the quarterback. You can only do so much running the football, especially in today's, addition of the sport you need an effective passing game and i think the potential is there um for gavin wimsett to take a step forward this year if the staff was confident enough to name him the starter before training camp even officially opened it was the morning of big mm-hmm. 10 media day that tells me that that's the mood in the building um and uh that from what they saw in the build-up to that that he was the best quarterback in the building and you know it doesn't look like that has changed certainly from what greg shano has said and Um, you know, that I think is how it's going to play out in the season. Speaking of what Greg
0: Shiano said, you were there for the press conference and I've sat through a lot of Greg Shiano press conferences and and this one was, was pretty, uh, pretty much non-revealing of, of much of anything, (laughs) which was kind of be expected because of the magnitude of this game, the importance I should say of this game coming up. Um, you know, and, and I guess Chris, what I gleaned from it was, you know, it's a team that's going to rely on his defense, a team that is improving on the offensive line, but, um, we're not, we're not going to get any secrets from Greg and, and he's not even going to reveal, you know, any injury updates until, you know, before the game, as the new policy requires Big Ten teams to do a student athlete availability report. Um, so we're not really probably going to find out, uh, you know, we're not going to be able to reveal much of anything until game day. But I, I think, um, you know, it's kind of be expected. And, and any other takeaways you got from, from from
1: what, you know, Greg had to say to open the week? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think the defense and the O-line were two things. Um, I also thought, um, you know, the thing that stood out to me was, you know, and, and this goes back to what I was saying before, about the the defense, um, he's, he talked about having a lot of veteran players on defense. And he said, you know, mm-hmm. he looks at it like a pipeline and he feels like he's getting close to the end of the pipeline. And he shouted out a guy like Aaron Lewis as someone who's really developed physically and, and as a player as a whole and has really taken a step forward. And now you, you look at Aaron Lewis as, you know, arguably the best player on the team and on the defense. Um, So I do think that was uh, relevant. I also thought, you know, it was interesting what he said about Northwestern um, in the Mm -hmm. sense that, you know, he talked about some of their players and he said there are a lot of experienced players on it. They're strong up the middle. Um, The other thing he said that I thought was interesting is you look at their results, and, and this is a direct quote, quote, if you're looking at their results, I know you look, say it's 111, but when you really dig deep, turnovers are what killed them. When they didn't turn the ball over, they're a very good football team, not much unlike us. If we can keep from turning the ball over, we've got a chance. I think that's about as much into the window of how Greg Shaw views this game as you're going to get. Because, of course, he's not going to give away the game plan on the press conference uh, the week of the game. Um, But I do think that that is a pretty uncontroversial uh, way of describing this matchup. and, um, And that goes the other way, too. Uh, is, you know, if this Rutgers defense can get a couple turnovers or really rattle the quarterback, whoever that is, that hasn't been named yet, um, you know, I I think that that is going to, in large part, determine the game. So that was the other thing that stood out to me, um, was just sort of how he sort of broke down what Northwestern did last year. I I thought that was interesting.
0: You know, uh, in watching practice, and you could vouch for this as well, they spend a lot of time on turnovers, on, you know, takeaways, protecting the football so we'll see if if all that work pays off because it's something that they really prioritize and, and we'll see, you know, how it turns out. And Chris, you mentioned a pipeline. Um, you know, that pipeline is starting to build some guys who look like they could continue playing their careers uh, in the NFL on Sundays beyond this season. You mentioned a guy like Aaron Lewis, you throw in a guy like Wesley Bailey, Max Melton. It looks like they're starting to develop more NFL guys. And. And I bring this up because Tuesday was cut down day in the NFL and it was not a good day for Rutgers alum is Christian Isian and Christian Braswell were the only two um, first year players, uh, rookies, I should say, coming out of Rutgers to make 53 man rosters. You know, you had guys like uh, Sean Ryan, uh, J.D. Dorenzo, Aaron Krushank, Avery Young they, they didn't make the teams, their respective teams and, you know, second year guys and third year guys, you know, you mentioned, uh, Tyree Williams, um, Willington Prevalon was, a, was, a, is not, he's a, I think third or fourth year guy, Michael one uh, Bo Melton didn't make uh, the cuts, you know, so a lot of guys on the cusp, but didn't really make it. And, and, um, you know, it, it's kind of, you know, you feel bad for these guys. I've I've been to situations with, with players and watched drafts and see them not get drafted and see guys get cut. And, you know, you have to you really feel for them because it's kind of like their whole lives are wrapped around. Uh, these moments, and and it was unfortunate that you see a lot of them just miss out. I think you'll see some of these guys get picked up on practice squads, but um, it's really kind of time to deliver some more of those guys into the NFL. And it looks like there's guys on the team with that capability to go to the next level. And uh, this is another important part of the season. You know, you talk about the the win-loss and getting to bowl games, but you've got to develop a pipeline to the NFL that's steady. Uh, it will help you in recruiting. It'll help your you broaden your brand. It'll help your national per, uh, perception. So, Chris, this is an important factor this year, too, is to get these guys playing at high levels so they can continue to play on Sundays and, and really help, uh, you know, broaden the Rutgers'
1: reach. Yeah. And I do think um, you are going to see the results of that. I mean, you look just on the defense alone, there are several guys, you know, you mentioned Aaron Lewis and Max Melton, Um, you know, I, there are other guys in the mix there as well, who I think either are on the cusp of doing that or maybe are a little further back, but you know, they can certainly get to that point. Um, and, and that I think is one of the selling points from when you go back to the first go around with Greg Shano is he developed a lot of guys that went on to be successful NFL contributors, um, mm-hmm. and you know, th- there's a proven track record there and that feeds into recruiting as well. And I think that's going to be a boost to recruiting when you see more of those guys stick in the next year or two years, wh- whatever the specific time frame. because then he can look and say, Hey, you know, look at what, and just using him as an example, Aaron Lewis did at Rutgers and look where he is now. He's in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I can get you to that point. That's how you bring the next Aaron Lewis and so on into the program. And that builds momentum and recruiting success breeds success and so on. So I do think that that is going to be valuable in the long run. And like you said, that's the other half of it, right? It's not just um, get to however many wins we want to get to this year so we can go to a bowl game, as important as that is. Um, But it's also about, you know, setting these guys up for the next level and showing to Mm -hmm. the next generation of Rutgers players that could be you someday. And I think that is going to be very valuable for the program if they can pull that off.
0: And, you know, Greg Shano talks about it being a developmental program, and and I think part of being a developmental program is developing guys to get to that next level. Because let's be honest, that's what you're selling a lot of kids when you're recruiting them out of high school. You know, come here, you can develop into, you know, a good player, a good man, and you can play on Sundays if if all goes well. Um I think you start have to delivering on that promise. And I know he inherited a team. So some of those guys aren't really his, but now it's starting to be time where he's filtering out guys that were the guys he recruited, you know, Christian Braswell was a guy that came in as a transfer, you know, the only draft pick last year, you could sell that one and say, well, you come here as a transfer, you get a chance to go against big 10 comp um, and, and and get a chance to showcase your skills and, and possibly, you know, be an NFL player. Um, I think, you know, that checks a box there, but you know, it's important to do it with guys out of high school as well. So uh, I think that's something to look at. And, 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 you know, before we wind this down, Chris Rutgers was a seven point betting favorite. I thought the line was going to go up. It it went down at six and a half. Now Um, there's people out there betting on Northwestern. I mean, I mean, is this, is this, uh, is this a good bet? What's, what's your, what's your plans on that? Or what's your thoughts on that?
1: Well, let me uh, start that answer with a disclaimer that um, any, um, I, I do not take anything I say as direct gambling advice. Um, <laughs> Cause I'm not the guy you want to go to with that. Um, I had a hard enough uh-huh. time with intro to Calc at Rutgers, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> um, uh, I, I'm a little surprised by that. I am. I mean, it's, what is it? Half a point uh, less than where it was uh-huh. before. Um, yeah. I, I almost wonder if part of that is, and again, I'm not you know, too locked into this. So if, if I'm wrong, please feel free to yell at me in the comments. I almost feel like there's sort of a counter momentum to, hey, I think, you know, some people who maybe don't follow either of these teams that closely say, hey, maybe Northwestern comes fired up and ready to play and they overperform or, you know, maybe this looks like a game that could go in a different way. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I did. I do agree. I I, I thought I thought that was a little unexpected. I thought the line would have gone a little bit higher. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, what really matters is what happens on the field. So. You know we'll have to sort of uh see how that goes
0: well i think that the seven uh is a tougher one because it could easily be a push that six and a hook i like with sure. with, with betting it on records. so i'm picking records with that with the points um so <laughs> we'll see how it goes maybe we'll we'll continue each week but um you know i i think we could we could drop it there on that note so uh chris thanks for joining us as always and uh You can interact with myself or Chris on the Scarlet Nation message board. Uh, The Roundtable, that's our VIP forum. We're going to have a special running over the weekend uh, through Tuesday, actually, of next week. Uh, You can get 50% off of a VIP annual membership. We'd love to have you on board. We're talking Rutgers football every day of the week, every day of the year. We're also talking Rutgers basketball, so you have access to the whole 24-7 Sports Network. I uh, talked to uh, also Brian Doan, myself, Sean Brown, Chris Siconis, and uh, you know keep you going through through thick and thin. So uh, thanks for listening. And For Chris Sakonis, I'm Bobby Darren. We'll talk to you again.